Greetings, future lovers. This is Killstreak, episode 37. Of course, I'm Eric Goslin. That hasn't changed. Uh, but joining me here for the first time this week is Michael Price. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. I'm not. I'm. I'm not positive that that isn't just an exact replica of a different open to. Is it really an episode of this podcast? Oh, of, of well, this no, episode I, of, of an episode of this podcast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Where it's just because <laughs> you cycle. You got a couple things you cycle through, and this one I was like, I think we've hit these two back to back before. Um, so yeah, I think you're probably right because if we are nothing, if not completely bereft of ideas here on this podcast <laughs> coasting on fumes here on kill streak that's right uh eagle-eared less listeners let us know eagle-eared um, lesters too which is a band <laughs> that i'm starting <laughs> that's not bad that's not bad uh, yeah the eagle-eared lesters yeah i would go see them if, <laughs> if it does sound, if you say it fast it does sound too much like eagle-eared molesters yeah which is yeah, not but, good but a little, I mean, that's also pretty on brand for you. Hey, hey now. Yeah, I I also have a fucking bone to pick with our th- our text chain. Anytime what? a dirty joke or comes up, they're like, oh, oh Eric, oh, they almost, yeah. oh. It's just like, come on, guys. It's a bit hack well, at this point. They're children about that. I don't, I don't know if you've noticed, but I don't engage. I do. That. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean. I don't think of you as any filthier than any of the other dirtbags on that. Yeah, that's a, that's my that's what I say too. Fuck those guys. <laughs> yeah, you're just more honest. Hope you're listening, you're assholes. Yeah, yeah, you're I'm honest, just honest with yourself and with us. Yeah, exactly. Right. I'm just more open. I don't mm-hmm. believe in shame, guys. Be into whatever you're into, and it turns out right. what I'm into is extremely vanilla. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both, brother. <laughs> Anyways, we're here to talk about <laughs> the things that I find sexy yeah. and the dirty things I like. Okay. Uh, Our basic kinks, middle <laughs> of the road stuff. Exactly. I'm a, I'm a boobs guy. Yeah, a, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> you a weirdo? <laughs> Anyways, this is a horror movie podcast, even though sometimes it seems like it might careen into uh, adult territory like last week's end segment. Oh yeah. Thank you very much for uh taking the time to bleep it. It all it also made it a lot funnier too. I think it yeah, I think it's gonna work out it works out better because I don't know that I could have uh disseminated that out to at least the members of my family that I know listen to this podcast yeah. otherwise. Oh, should we did uh the mistake ever get corrected or should we we should address that oh it did yeah so i posted the episode there was a little bit of a technical glitch and the finish of our carpenter scale and then the very predictable rating of a mary for the original evil dead was cut off yeah um but it is in place now so if you missed it the first time you can go back and listen to it and um otherwise everyone who listens to it for the first time from here on out will will get the whole thing yeah, heck yeah. Sorry about that. You know, sometimes things just happen here. Yeah. yeah Nobody's nerfing, right? Yeah, especially lately. Yeah. Things things <laughs> really really been happening uh Dude. as I continue to to feel my way through taking on some greater technical responsibilities. Yeah, it's been a hell of a week, man. 
not to like veer too much off course, but sure. just a really busy, stressful work week. Obviously, we are recording this now Sunday after it's, like Joe yeah, Biden was just November eighth. Yeah. Yeah. Joe Biden was just um, you know, just did his acceptance speech or whatever. Um, and it's just been a fucking hell of a week. My dog is he's an old dog and he's sick, and so that was stressing mm. me out. Man. It's like being glued to the TV, finding like watching election coverage is stressing me the fuck out. But hey, here sure. we are. Yeah. Well, yeah, we're here. Um, slightly, things are looking up a tiny bit, at least if you know, for Eric and I. Um, you know, I don't know. Should I continue to try to shout down any? If we have any Trump fans in the audience, I don't think we stop, have many. I I think I can think of maybe one or one. Um, <laughs> yeah. but. He he knows my thoughts. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, fair, fair enough. Um, yeah. Well, listen, you don't have to stop listening to our podcast. I'm sorry that I said that, but, you know, maybe you can learn something about how to treat your fellow man. Oh, that also, is... I shouldn't say that we just have one listener <laughs> that I know, <laughs> because I'm sure there are others. There's just one that I know of. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, anyways, this is a, f- a hilarious uh, diversion it's really interesting. It's just us rambling about uh, this election that just happened and how stressed out we are because it's tough out here for a couple of straight white guys. <laughs> I was talking to my mom about that because she <laughs> swings the other way of the political spectrum than me. Uh, She's just like, I'm just nervous of where this country's going. And I'm like, Mom, nothing's going to change for us. <laughs> yeah. Like nothing's going to change for us. <laughs> for us. Right. Well, and this is a this is a meme that I've seen circulated many times. But for those people who aren't as plugged into the internet, there was like a great thing going around, which is just like statements like that, like uh, from a, a person like your mother, or like you know, people older white people, especially. But I'm terrified about where this country's going. Yeah, it's literally just like the only place it's going potentially that you're worried about is where it already is for so many other people. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you're terrified that you might be treated as poorly, half as poorly yeah. as as people who, who aren't as lucky to be in your specific ethnographic, racial, you know, subtype, however you want to put it. Anyways, um, it's neither here nor there. Yeah. She also is pretty sure the election's been tampered with and that Joe Biden is like a socialist sleeper cell. <laughs> I mean, she didn't say those words exactly, but that's kind of what sure. she was implying there. Yeah. Any whoosies. Yeah. How are you guys doing? We're going to talk Evil Dead 2, sometimes hey. referred to as Evil Dead 2, Dead mm-hmm. by Dawn. Although I guess that's yeah. technically not the official title. Yeah, it's pretty confusing. I mean, I think a lot of it is uh, it's publicity based. I think the poster that's circulated and the box cover for the movie both yeah. had Dead by Dawn as sort of like a colon title. But yeah, as far as I can tell, it's just Evil Dead 2. And it's not even the Evil Dead. Right, like the first one. Right, so we've got some interesting and naming stuff going on. I'm wearing my Evil Dead sweat sweatshirt today. I see that. It's uh, it's a little too warm for a sweatshirt here. but Oh, it's nice and cool it. here. Loving this cool, cool weather. Um, mm-hmm. What do you think of the uh, the VHX, VHS box cover of, of Evil Dead? I'm not a fan. It's, I think it looks pretty. Oh, dumb. really? I think it's awesome. Oh, really? Um, like the skull with a with a human eye? Yeah, but it's weird because it's like completely unrelated to the film. Yeah. Um, 
I just think it looks great. And I like, I mean, at least when I was first introduced to it, I was like, oh, that looks so cool. Yeah, I, I, I looked at it again last night. And I was like, you know, this looks actually pretty cheesy. But whatever. I mean, it's a mm. cheesy movie in a lot of ways. So maybe it is fitting. The skull does look pretty cool. There's some nice uh, skull work on that skull. Yeah. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, I don't know if he's. <laughs> I don't know if he's a regular listener, but uh, we'll call a friend of the podcast, uh, Chris, Chris Wold out in Wisconsin, uh, one of my best uh, childhood friends, older brothers. He's a big horror movie guy. Uh, he's got this tattoo, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, that's cool. I mean, I'm not, yeah. yeah. Be, if you he, have he it beat the shit on your out body, of you, I'm, not, by the way. I'm not saying it's like a, a dumb <laughs> yeah. thing. I just was looking at, I'm sure it looks well, great. I think I, I have a Dawn of the Dead tattoo, he, so. I think that's how he took it, that you were saying it was a dumb thing. <laughs> and I just want you to know that he's an inch taller than I am. So. Oh, shit. Okay, well. Uh, I am sorry. Uh, I am a, a small man. I'm short, at least. <laughs> You're small in more ways than one. Don't tell yourself. Don't tell yourself tall. I'm glowering at you. <laughs> okay. I thought that was a really good joke that got kind of swallowed up there. but No, that was, I, that's why no, I was glowering you- at you. Don't don't sell yourself tall. That's I mean. That's oh, I didn't even hear that. that. You know what, Price? Let me uh, let me bow <laughs> to you, sir. He actually did it for those of you listening at home. Uh, I actually, I bowed. feel dirty now because um, <laughs> uh, hey, you're so vanilla. Yeah, it's true. I have a question for you, Eric. Uh, did you like Evil Dead too? <laughs> <laughs> Man, I was uh, extremely disappointed by this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh no, of course. Uh, yeah, I love this movie. <laughs> sure, it's it's almost weird to talk about in the format that we do our podcast. Um, <clears throat> you know, because I come into these trying to have serious thoughts or at least critical thoughts, and mm-hmm. and it's it, this is uh, this is like asking me to evaluate, uh, you know, Ghostbusters. It's right. just like. It's like, I can't talk to you in an unbiased way about this movie. I've seen it so many times. Mm-hmm. I love it so much. I think it's so great. I'm going to do my best to do that over the course of this podcast. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I don't know what you want me to say other than this movie fucking rules. It's one of the best horror movies of all time. Yeah, it, it, You know, there are some shortcomings um, that I, mm-hmm. you know, watching it this time, you know, with the podcast in mind, it's... But I think you could level the same accusations at the first movie uh, of just yeah. like lack of characterization and, mm-hmm. and, and I mean, really, there's not much of a plot exactly. There's, sure. there's plot things that happen. It's more plot heavy than part one for sure. But um, I mean, is it even though? I feel like maybe. it's almost the same. Yeah, it's pretty it's, much the it's same. Like, I guess it's the it's whole the time, level of plot the whole time I... element is a different, a little bit of a difference in like banishing the. Right. Having to ban it, like the the mission to banish this evil mm-hmm. spirits to like the yeah. past. Anyway, it, but still, the movie's a fucking blast, and it it it, it zips by. It never stops. Right. Really, it's short to begin with. It's about eighty five minutes long. Yeah, but then like those eighty five minutes are very breathless for the most part. It only yeah. really pauses to breathe a few times over the course of the movie. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and it's like really, it is astonishing how much, like as much as it's not very plotty, like the amount of ground that gets covered, uh, specifically because the way that the first maybe quarter of the movie sort of functions as a 
almost like a prologue remake of the first one, which we can get into in a second. Uh, but it's just like I I remember looking up and seeing that it was like 40 minutes in with 45 minutes left. And I was like, Jesus Christ. It's like I thought we were so much closer to the end. And it's like, no, we've just covered so much ground. Yeah. So fast, yeah. So. It moves extremely fast, especially the first 20 minutes. Um, and I think we even brought up maybe last episode mm-hmm. that like the way it is in my memory is the recap of the first movie or like the stuff that repeats from the first movie is like the first half of the movie, but no, mm-hmm. it's really like the first yeah. 15 minutes and that's it. Yeah. That's kind of what I was alluding to what, just before. Yeah. It's, it, <laughs> it's pretty nuts. Yeah. Um, so should we talk a little bit about um, that element of it? The recap slash remake. Yeah. Slash. Yeah. Um, so, I it's like sort of to answer I feel like the big elephant in the room or the question that ends up on everybody's mind is just like what is the deal is it supposed to be a sequel is it supposed to be a remake why is it the way it is and I think the short answer is it is supposed to be a sequel and the intention of the filmmakers initially was to use the actual footage from the first movie Mm-hmm. as as like a brief prologue which is essentially what they do in Army of Darkness which we'll cover next week but mm-hmm. they still reshot new footage because they recast um Ash's girlfriend as Bridget Fonda oh, in the third one that's right. so so they had to shoot a bunch of it again with her but anyways yeah it's they wanted to use footage from the Evil Dead to set the prologue and then start things from there but because of the distribution rights internationally it was uh just unfeasible for them to get permission to actually use the footage oh interesting so they just said okay fuck it we'll just shoot it uh again and uh that is part and then the reason why all of the characters besides ash and linda from the first movie are gone it's just a budgetary concern. Okay. It was basically like to reshoot the intro, which is really, they like wanted to focus more on the later parts of the script. Um, they were just like, we got to lose the, all these other characters and we're just going to give like a really fast kind of rundown of what happened in the first. Oh, movie. that's really that. I never knew that. Um, I was just thinking four different actresses have played Linda, which is pretty <laughs> insane. Right. Yeah. Because uh, you got Evil Dead 1 Linda, Evil Dead 2 right. Linda, Army of Darkness Linda, and then Ash versus the Evil Dead Linda makes an appearance at least in the episode I just watched, actually. And and so, yeah, four different actresses playing the same character. Man, and hold on. Let's just double check. Uh, Within the Woods. Okay. Her, there is no Linda character in Within the Woods, only Ellen and Shelley. Uh, okay. So. And I was trying to find the... Oh, here it is. The... Uh, the remake if there's a linda character a character named linda <laughs> but can yeah sorry continue uh yeah so anyways um i think uh for for people who are unfamiliar um you got a little bit of a background on sam Raimi, on bruce campbell there's another guy who uh who screwed around with them as kids and those or and as teenagers making movies is a guy named Scott Spiegel um, 
who uh, was less involved. He was still involved in the shooting of the Evil Dead, but he became more of a he's more of a creative force on this one. And uh, in the background on this movie, a lot of there's a lot of acknowledging that uh, the slapstick comedy that really uh, asserts itself here that was less present. There was a little bit, there was, there was some of it in the first one we watched last week, but it really kind of blows the doors open on, on the comedy elements is a lot of that was brought to the table by Scott Spiegel. Hmm. Um, and that was something that he was a big fan of. And it was sort of a through line in his short films and stuff. Uh, so he is a co-writer along with Sam Raimi of the script of this um, script went through many revisions the initial script was basically Army of Darkness. Oh. Um, the original pitch for Evil Dead 2 was called Evil Dead 2 Ash versus the Army of Darkness. And they wanted to jump right into sending Ash to medieval times. Mm-hmm. That was basically the idea behind it. But when they were able, like the way they got financing essentially was. Um, Again, Stephen King, sort of the white knight of the Evil Dead franchise. Um, so let me back up just one step. The movie that uh, Sam Raimi did after the success of the Evil Dead was called Crime Wave. Um, and it's like a comedy horror, so not shocking. He co-wrote it with the Coen brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, stars uh, a bunch of people. Bruce Campbell appears in it. He's also a producer. It's a Renaissance Pictures film. And it just fucking tanked it. And I saw it when I was very young. Uh, I owe, owe it another watch. Yeah, but I same here. I did not enjoy it. I didn't think it was very good. Right. I think I understood why it tanked. Um, and so they were kind of reeling after that. And But they still had some goodwill from the success of the first one. Uh, and their producer, Irvin Shapiro... Uh, was kind of pushing them to uh, bank on the success of the first one again and say, hey, like, if you guys want to get back into the good graces of Hollywood, if you want to make something that people would actually get excited about, you should consider making a sequel to Evil Dead. Um, So they start doing pre-production and kind of shopping something around and there was an initial contact between Dino De Laurentiis, a sort of famous producer, and uh, and Sam Raimi, who was offered uh, a chance to direct what would have been an early adaptation of Thinner, the, mm, the Richard, Richard Bachman, Stephen King novel, right? Yeah. Uh, Thinner's a Bachman novel, right? It is. Okay, yeah. Um, <clears throat> Raimi turned it down, which I was kind of surprised to hear. That seems like a pretty good opportunity. Yeah. Um, but so he was kind of on their mind. And then, um, there was somebody I want to say who was just in close contact with, uh, Raimi and Rob Tapert, the producer and Bruce Campbell, the guys who made up Renaissance pictures and <clears throat> Stephen King basically found out through mutual colleagues that they were having trouble getting money to make Evil Dead 2. And he pretty much just called Dino De Laurentiis and was like, you need to fund this movie. Because <laughs> he was making Maximum Overdrive right. at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, sorry. This is a long story. Uh, I'm rounding to the point, though. But he, I don't know. Did you want to share anything around anything? Uh, 
No, no, I'm, I'm your, good. Th- your thoughts and feelings. You just had, <laughs> your eyes opened wide, and I was like, maybe Eric wants to talk a little bit. He oh, I was going to say the maximum overdrive part, but then yeah, you got me. Yeah, yeah, beat me Sorry. to it. I'm too comprehensive. I'll try to cut that out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, anyways, that's what we love about you. Ah, oh, thanks, man. Delorentis meets with the guys, and he's interested. They pitched him with some figures from Italian box office for Evil Dead to uh, the first one. He's he's Italian, um, and he was on board, but he was basically like, "I just want a sequel to the first one. I don't want all this crazy medieval stuff. Um, just like make me another one." <laughs> um, and uh, agreed to finance the movie for about three point six million dollars, which was a little short of what they wanted, but is significantly higher yeah. than the budget of the first film, right? Yeah, and then and they kind of went to town hacking out a script. Um, and there's some really fun behind the scenes stories about the writing of this script. Um, but just like the kind of top level is that at the time that Scott Spiegel and Sam Raimi were writing this movie, they lived in a house in Silver Lake. Mm-hmm. And do you know who they lived with? No, they lived with the Cohen brothers. Oh, no shit. And Francis McDormand. Wow. And Kathy Bates and Holly Hunter. Um, wow. Wait, so was what's Kathy Bates relation to everybody? Just I think, a friend? I mean, I think a friend, a fellow actor, Francis McDormand and Holly Hunter. I don't know. Maybe they did, uh, you know, I don't know if they did theater together or what their story was. Uh, my research stopped there. Yeah. But um, and Holly Hunter in particular made a very big impact on Sam Raimi. And there is some suggestion that Sam Raimi may or may not have kind of had a little bit of a crush on Holly Hunter. <laughs> um, and so she is uh, famously the inspiration for the character of Bobby Joe in this movie. Oh, and initially Sam Raimi wanted to cast her as Bobby Joe, but the studio was like, now we need a more, uh, traditionally sort of hot actress. Yeah. Uh, and she is in hot. This role. <laughs> yeah. That's a, yeah. Be all weird about it. But, but she's no Holly Hunter. No, 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 no. Yeah. Um, so anyways, uh, yeah, that script, uh, got written in that insane house, uh, which reminds me a lot of like hearing about what was this like Jackson Brown and Tom Petty, like living on two different stories of a house and, you know, oh man. Or, uh, Al Gore and Tommy Lee Jones being college roommates. <laughs> <laughs> well, hello. Uh, <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good Al Gore. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate it. <laughs> just out of nowhere. I just decided to wing it. Um, Tommy, I think that you've been eating my peanut butter. <laughs> I like none of us are even attempting a Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> no, I'm trying to think of that. <laughs> What's the boat, the the fugitive one, the big boathouse, outhouse. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can get peanut butter in any boathouse, outhouse. Oh, yeah, anyways, I should have just said that <laughs> instead of saying the joke I was thinking of. But that's why we are hosting a horror comedy pod, a horror podcast, and we are not professional comedians yep. like everyone else who hosts a good podcast. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, anyways. Um, you come for us for the sh- facts, not for the jokes. That's right. Back to facts. Uh, they shot it mostly in North Carolina, a few hours away from Dino De Laurentiis' studio. Um, they shot most of it in a an abandoned junior high school, and they kind of set up a cool situation with the townsfolk, where 
this high school was being unused. They wanted to rent it. Uh, they're trying to negotiate a reasonable deal, whereas like De Laurentiis wants them to shoot at his studio, but he's going to charge them like full cost for the studio rentals and for the equipment and uh-huh. everything. So they go out to this little town called Wadesboro in North Carolina, and they're basically like, hey, yeah, everybody in this town will uh, hire your contractor or redo this. And like they just hired a bunch of people who lived there to work on getting like their studio set up and it ended up being much, much cheaper. So I think it's, it's, it's cool because it's one of the many ways that you can see that even though the budget, you know, really explodes from the first one, it's those instincts of scraping together a production. Yeah. Just trying Uh, to save any, any little bit of mm -hmm. money. Yeah. Really carried over. And I think as a result, you know, you, you still get this really wild creativity. Um, so yeah, they built like uh all the interiors are in that abandoned high school. The okay. way they set it up was it was like ground floor was the cellar and then they built the oh. interior first floor on the second floor of the school so that they could do tracking shots that went vertically up and down through uh, you know, from the top from the second floor down to the first floor where the cellar set was. Oh, that's really cool. Um, yeah. Um <clears throat> cuz yeah, the, the, the we should definitely shout out the camera work in this movie is great. I mean, like Sam Raimi's camera never really stops. Mm-hmm. It's always, yeah. it always has some interesting point of view shot or some, mm-hmm. just some interesting angle uh, or movement. It's just, it's, it must've been hell to, to storyboard, you know, <laughs> I'm sure. And it would seem that perhaps the process is a bit stressful because the movie uh did it did go through two DPs. Oh wow. Um yeah, so the uh initial director of photography, um what is the guy's name? He's credited in the final credits as like exterior nighttime DP. Oh wow. Because what happened was they started shooting with him, um, and at a certain point his uh himself and his crew were not happy with the way things were going and eventually they were replaced um but at the, they had already shot the majority of the exterior nighttime shots his name was Eugene Schluglet um <laughs> it's a hell of a name uh Schluglet perhaps i might be pronouncing it wrong um and he had he had worked as a additional camera on crime wave with the Ramies or with Ramey. Yeah, I mean I guess the Ramey's and Bob Taper. Ted Ramey is also part of that crew, but it's really just Ramey. Mm-hmm. Um didn't really do much after this after getting unceremoniously dropped from this production. So he's replaced about a quarter of the way through by a very young new guy named Peter Deming who had only ever worked on Robert Townsend's movie Hollywood Shuffle before. Oh, yeah. Same yeah. year. So this was his second feature ever. And here is just a brief list of other films shot by Peter Deming. We've got My Cousin Vinny. Hmm. We've got Lost Highway, David Lynch. We have Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery. Uh, He also shot Mulholland Drive. Oh, shit. Uh, He shot the uh, Scream 2 and Scream 3 for Wes Craven. Um, shot I Heart Huckabees. He shot Drag Me to Hell for Sam Raimi. Shot Scream Four. He shot Cabin in the Woods. Oh no way! That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Is so so. This is like a launching pad for him 
uh, and obviously like a really talented guy uh, who made a strong connection with Raimi. He's also got a long connection up until his death with Wes Craven. So it seems like it was a good move for them to move on from Mr. Schluglet to Peter Deming. Um, um, one thought that I had was that it's really cool and interesting that Sam Raimi has been the director of all three of the movies. Like mm-hmm. you don't really see that a ton with with franchises. You, you yeah. know, Don Coscarelli with uh, Phantasm. For, he yeah. he did all of them except for the last one. Um, and he and he's still and that was only you know he still was an executive producer and like involved in the creative. Right, too, you know? right, and, and maybe like Wes Craven was Scream, but he's obviously yeah. he's dead now. He's not doing the fifth one. <laughs> this is true. Yeah, yeah it's definitely. it's cool to see. Yeah, and I mean, I think it is like. It's nice, you know, it's like it. I think it almost you, you I don't think you could argue that it doesn't for the most part contribute to better series. I mean, mm-hmm. Phantasm is a really, you know, some people like I, mean, I, I it's not the most famous horror movie franchise ever. But to me, it's great. It's up there with with good. Like if we're talking about overall quality from beginning to end of a long yeah. franchise, it's it's very high, I think. And that's I'm sure that's because you have like a singular creative voice. And it feels that way. It really does. And, you know, I'm sure we'll cover it at some point. The fifth one, Mm -hmm. not directed by him, has a different feel to it. It does have a different feel. Yeah, it's still interesting, but it's definitely different. A couple other noteworthy names here. This, uh, in addition to sort of unleashing Peter Deming on the world, uh, I think you could argue that this... Maybe it's not the first thing he ever worked on, but it is uh, sort of a launching pad for Greg Nicotero, um, oh. one of the the three founders of K and B Effects. Sure, he comes and up a lot on this podcast. He does, yeah. Well, because he's worked on a ton of great horror movies, um, and, but also um, he is you know one of the big creative forces behind The Walking Dead these days. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've talked about him before. He got his start uh, working as an assistant to Tom Savini on Day of the Dead mm-hmm. um, and followed him over to Creep Show 2 and worked a little bit on Predator. But this is the fifth movie he ever worked on. Uh, and he is along with so so they brought back the special effects guy from uh, the first one uh whose name is escaping me it's tom something uh, 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 uh. i'm looking through my notes here um special tom effects sullivan. tom sullivan yes who famously like did all the hard work on the stop motion from the first one and on this one he basically was like okay this is too much for me i know my limitations mm-hmm. i know what i'm good at uh so i'm just going to do the stop motion in this movie so Tom Sullivan did the stop motion for Evil Dead 2, but then uh, the rest of the special effects team is new, and Greg Nicotero is is part of that team, and kind of, again, formed a connection with, with these guys, went on to work on Army of Darkness and, and a ton of other stuff, obviously. Do you want to take a stab at how many credits Greg Nicotero has in the makeup department for, uh, according to IMDb? Jesus. So this is uh, this is not just... This this is technician, designer, assistant. This is everything. All the movies. This is everything. On. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'll say okay. he has the credit for 
Mr. Cranston's bald cap in El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Okay, well, he started in 85-ish. I'm just going to ballpark it this way. And he's been working, I think, mostly ever since. So we're going to say 35-odd years. It would be crazy for me to think that somebody could work on more than three feature films on average a year. So I'll say 250. Okay, overshot it a bit. 184. Ah, okay. But still, that, well, you that set boy the, is you, 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 Yeah, you set my expectations. A little so high, yeah. I, sorry. I went, I, no, no, you fucked up. Uh, wait. <laughs> Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I didn't realize he, he had done the uh, effects oh, oh, on. that's cool. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, this is a great... Like, I, I really love... And again, it's like, this is, uh, this is something I'm passionate about is like exploring the pre-production and understanding the behind the scenes of this stuff. But as we said last week, there is, uh, first of all, there's Bruce Campbell's book, If Chins Could Kill, that gets into a lot of depth about this stuff. There's another book that I also want to shout out that I haven't had a chance to read in its entirety, but I have read parts of, uh, that's called The Evil Dead Companion, written by a guy named Bill Warren. Uh, and it, it that is basically just uh, it's you know it's a behind the scenes tour of all three, excuse me, Evil Dead movies, uh, directed by Sam Raimi mm-hmm. and starring Bruce Campbell. And you there's yeah so there's multiple books worth of this stuff. So obviously I'm just trying to hit the highlights, but you know it's part of our podcast, but it's not the whole podcast. So if you really if you're interested in this stuff, uh, I would I would highly suggest digging in because uh, there's so much fun stuff to learn about these movies. Uh, and the last thing I'll share, uh, uh, I was going to talk about Ted Raimi, Sam Raimi's younger brother, who we talked about last week as an actor. Uh, he kind of moved into a bigger role here. He is uh, in the demon suit for uh, Henrietta, the right. mother in the cellar for the majority of this movie. And I just thought this was fun because uh, it reminds me a little bit in a much lesser, to a much lesser degree of, uh, previous relationship that you and I have shared um, where famously uh, the story on the set is that because of the high temperatures uh, during the summer in North Carolina and this giant full body latex suit, uh, Ted Raimi just was basically overheated for most of the production of the movie. Uh, And because it was foam rubber, like latex and it didn't breathe, it just trapped sweat. And so they, they would drain cups full of his sweat from the suit um, during the shooting. And apparently in one of the scenes where Henrietta is suspended from the ceiling and she's spinning around above Annie, you can actually see his sweat dripping out of the ear of the costume. It's not a a special effect. It's Ted Raimi's sweat being flung out of the suit. That's disgusting. yeah, so he suffered for their art for sure, and so it was did not you. nearly as it's not nearly as bad for me. But I I did have a moment of recognition where it's like, yes, I do know what it is like to sweat uncontrollably inside a gross <laughs> full body suit. I I felt bad for you. I felt worse for Eric Hendrickson who who had to take the yet put the yeti suit <laughs> like two, on yeah for two a days couple shots shot. yeah <laughs> and had to put on your fucking sweaty ass right I mean, we tried our best to de- to like make that thing dry out to like yeah. disinfect mm-hmm. it as much as we could but that wouldn't it couldn't have been fun um, no no it had my unique funk to it for sure 
<laughs> Sorry, I just noticed Nicotero's second credit he goes uh, Day of the Dead, Invasion USA. Yes. Which is uh, awesome. We have both Evil of us two. seen that in the recent past. Yeah. <laughs> Creep Show 2, Phantasm 2. Anyway, yeah. enough on Greg Nicotero. Yeah. Um, so just to wrap things up, you know, they got the movie done. Uh, production not nearly as sort of uh, uh, trouble troublesome as the first movie, although there were still some fun stories. But yeah, I mean, a much more professional production with a much larger cast. Right. Um, there's a really cute thing. They had a big talent show at the rap party, <laughs> which you can find on YouTube. Uh, I watched bits and pieces of it. Uh, That's awesome. And yeah, and it's I mean, it's not it's like a really interesting snapshot. It's not that entertaining. It's an hour and 10 minutes long. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of boring. But <laughs> also just like Bruce Campbell is so skinny. It's crazy. He's really skinny uh, in this movie. Yeah. He worked with a trainer to get bulked up. I was uh, wondering this one. Yeah. Um, but like in, in the in the uh, rap stuff, he's like not, you know, muscle built. And it's just like, I can't fucking believe that's the same guy. He oh, liked. interesting. Yeah, yeah, I bet I he mean, was doing like curls, concentration yeah. curls in between sets to keep his arms pumped up. Right. But yeah. even then, I mean, he looks skinny, though. Like He does. By today's yeah. muscle standards, he's like mm-hmm. still like 25 pounds lighter than <laughs> Thor. Yeah. Maybe, well, maybe and more. he's and he, right. And also, as he's gotten older, like we've watched it happen. Yeah. He's, you know, in the public eye. But he's like filled out into like an average sized man. Yeah. Yeah. Who's like not who is not thin, you know, who's like got a little bit of bulk to it. Yeah, just like and I think old, he, older yeah. man thickness. It's kind of. Yeah, for sure. And I think he, I still think he still looks great. But yeah. it's also just like to look at him in Ash versus Evil Dead and then <laughs> to watch this talent show thing. It's just like he's like a fucking beanpole, dude, because he's tall as hell. too. Yeah. So it's just like it's just this big fucking gangly, like 24 year old. And it's just like, oh, my God, I can't believe that that is our guy. Um, but uh, yeah. So anyways, they, uh, you know, things got done uh, a little bit behind schedule, but nothing catastrophic. The last big thing that happened was they were supposed to deliver an R rated movie. They never really got close. Um, when they got the cut together, everybody watched it and they're like, there's no way this is anything but an X. Uh, but the problem was they're like, if we're going to cut it down for time, it's 85 minutes. It's it's going to be like a 70 minute movie. Yeah. If you. And so what they ended up deciding to do and like credit to Dino De Laurentiis for not just like, you know, telling them all to go fuck off is they set up. Uh, he was not legally allowed. I don't I don't understand all the rules, but he couldn't release an X rated movie under the umbrella of his corporation, DEG, which is like his production company. That was not something that they could do. So they set up a fake, like a shell company, a fake production company just to release Evil Dead 2. And he had it started in his son-in-law's name. It's called Rosebud Releasing. I I noticed that. It jumped out to me at the beginning of the movie. It's like, what the fuck Mm -hmm. is that? (laughs) Yeah. And that little logo that opens it up, the little time-lapse Rosebud, is just like a piece of footage that Sam Raimi shot. Oh, it's Um, funny. Yeah. And so they set up a shell company just to release this movie with with an X rating. Um, but it has so, an yeah. R rating now. Well, it has an R rating now, but I think that's just the changing times. 
Yeah. Um, I think technically it was never, I don't know that it was ever explicitly rated by the MPAA. Uh, it's funny because it's compared to the last movie, not that violent. Does at least doesn't I mean, feel as violent as the last movie. I think it depends. It's, I think what it is, is it's just a bit more cartoonish, but yeah. it is truly very graphic in a lot of places, but it's just like almost none of the graphic violence is being done to humans. They all kind of turn into deadites. Sure. And then get destroyed so it's kind of like yeah maybe i'm just so desensitized from the first movie that it didn't like it felt tame in comparison yeah i mean i think that's definitely part of it too the and the first one is just grittier and it it doesn't have that cartoonish feel to sort of release some of the tension you know the first Mm -hmm. one just hits it hits a little bit harder i think Mm -hmm. um yeah so this was released uh in uh, the spring of 1987 uh, it had a fairly small, like a uh, you know, theatrical release about three hundred and fifty theaters. Uh, still made its money back uh, in a, in its theatrical run. Uh, just about doubled the budget. Uh, but then, as is the case with so many of our favorite movies here at Killstreak, uh, huge, huge cult following on video. Mm-hmm. Um, that and I even just the 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 home video response to this in the early years helped lead to the funding of. Uh, army of darkness uh but even more so after that it's you know it's a perennial rental success you know home video purchase whatever that landscape looks like these days but this is one of truly the the great cult films of of uh i don't know the last 50 years and and i don't just mean in terms of quality i also just mean in terms of notoriety yeah and uh you know when people are asked to name cult movies I'll always remember that we had a blockbuster in lots of small video stores when I was growing up, but this big impactful thing that happened was our second national video chain coming in, which was Hollywood video. Yeah. Uh, We had a Hollywood video too. Yeah. And they kind of blew the doors open on uh, longer rentals. Cause I think at that point it was always just the blockbuster model of new releases were one night. Everything else was two nights. And then Hollywood video was like, fuck it everything's five nights and so you go to hollywood video and i would just rent like eight movies uh and the thing that i thought was so cool is that they because i grew up in a small town and if you live in a a larger city like where i am in austin right now there's lots of great video stores with curated collections and they'll have director shelves and and very specific genres but hollywood video was the first time i ever saw cult section Mm. um and like right smack dab in the middle uh, along with Dead Alive, you know, which we watched a couple oh, yeah. weeks ago, uh, was Evil Dead 2. And yeah, so that's my shit. <sighs> Love it. Miss those video stores, man. Mm-hmm. We, and there's still some good ones, but I miss, I miss just walking around, finding shit they just never knew existed. Yeah. Um. Our... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I said uh, I've. I, I'm catching my breath. I'm catching my oh, breath sorry, from sorry. giving giving you guys all that background <laughs> on Evil Dead Two. Uh, <laughs> well, you got you want to take a break and we can uh, launch into this movie. Yeah, let's do it because we definitely haven't talked about it so far. So <laughs> we, should, we should move the conversation around to the movie eventually. Yeah, eventually uh, we kind of went off on a tangent there. We talked we talked about uh, the election for forty three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll be right back. Legend has it that it was written by the Dark Ones. Necronomicon Ex Mortis, 
roughly translated Book of the Dead. It's a passageway to the evils beyond. It was written a long it was written long ago when the seas ran red with blood in the year thirteen hundred AD, the book disappeared. You get this narration by uh, Dr. Noby explaining the Book of the Dead, the legend of it. Then we uh cut to Ash and Linda driving into the mountains. Similar to the setup of the first movie, but just the two of them, as you mentioned, budgetary mm-hmm. reasons, as, I guess. <laughs> I guess, yeah. At the cabin, Ash plays piano. She dances around in her underwear, has, the, has that necklace from the first movie. So, what do you think, kid? Um, she, I thought this was funny. She feels uh-huh. weird about being in the cabin because she's like, what if the owners come back? So, I guess they just like squatting at this cabin? Is that yeah, it is. Did I miss it it? Is, no, that's the whole explanation. And yeah, I think that is what we're meant to believe. Like, I it know is, of this cabin. Let's break in there and right. have a romantic weekend. I mean, it does sort of better explain why that stuff is in the cabin versus mm-hmm. the plot of the first one. But I also just think having it be a rental or whatever makes enough sense for me. But yeah, I wanted to say too that like right early on here, we're getting these notes of a shift in Bruce Campbell's performance of Ash. Yeah. Um, where we're seeing, cause it's not just, we talk a lot about like the three stooges, but there's really this overall theme of like old timey performance, right? It's like, so he's doing almost like a little bit of Cagney and like a little bit uh, like Humphrey Bogart and also mm-hmm. three stooges and like some WC fields. It's like, he's got all these different, you know, I think I I don't even know my memory is probably getting away from me, but it's like, I almost feel like he does the WC fields like, Hey, sweetheart kind of thing. Like, Oh, he might. He yeah. Might, yeah. But you can just see that that's kind of creeping into the performance and it's going to be there more and more. He's definitely like positioning, positioning himself to be like a matinee idol kind of like performer. Right. right. Um, which is a bit mixed. He's a, he's a handsome guy who has really good comedic chops too. So right. Um, yeah. Also, his voice sounds normal in this one compared to he doesn't have this movie. Yeah. When he ha- sounds like a little kid. Yeah, it's not his baby helium voice. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, what do you say we have some champagne? After all, I'm a man and you're a woman. At least the last time I checked. <laughs> um, like almost right away, he finds the tape recorder mm-hmm. while uh, she's off getting the champagne. And he presses play on it, and it's the aforementioned Professor Raymond Noby. Uh, and we kind of get the same sort of setup from the first movie of, you know, my I found this book while, you know, doing an excavation of the ruins of Kandar mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. And then bringing his wife and his wife and him came back here, and they have the book. Um. And they found, oh yeah, they even we have like a little flashback where we see that they see the professor finding the book right. in that ceremonial dagger. Yeah. And you do get there's a fun shot here where you get it's like an old Bronco or something like that, like driving up over a hill. And then mm-hmm. they have the castle in the background, which is really just a miniature. Um Oh yeah, yeah. And it is the same like I wasn't positive until this viewing, but I was like, this is the same set as the end of the movie. It's like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's it's exactly where that's shot. It's the same miniature. They just have a an SUV driving up. Yeah. Uh, also, I want to shout out like the use of map paintings. 
like when they're driving oh, yeah. over over the uh, bridge. Mm-hmm. Like the bridge doesn't look re- at, in the, the least bit realistic. Yeah, uh, but it looks awesome. Yeah, yeah. We've ta- we've touched on this so many times, but it's worth repeating. It's like something things don't have to look realistic to look cool. They're mm-hmm. movies. We're willing to suspend our disbelief for like especially some, some artistry. You know, a very stylized movie like this. Yeah, yeah. Um. I thought the 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 new dagger looks mm-hmm. fucking awesome. It's like <laughs> it's like made from a sharpened spine. Yeah, it's super cool. Anyway, he brought the book back to the cabin to translate it. The book speaks of dark spirits that live in the woods, and it's through speaking the passages that the spirits are brought back. And he says the words stupidly. Of course, <laughs> that activates whatever's in the woods. The spirits in the woods. The camera starts rushing through the woods, uh, through the window, right at Linda, who's changing in the other room or in the other room. She screams. Ash runs in to check on her, and she's gone. He walks through the woods. She pops out of nowhere, and she's a deadite. You know, I, I love the uh, the like prosthetic they put over people's faces to make their mm-hmm. eyes look sunken. Yeah, they kind of bulge out the bones around the eye socket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He grabs a shovel. She jumps at him. He lops her head off with a shovel. Did This never really occurred to me before because I think I was really swept up in this movie most times I watched it. He 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 decides to decapitate her pretty fast. Pretty quick. Uh, yeah, there's not really any hesitation. <laughs> it's like she just kind of, like if you've never experienced this before, she just sort of seems like she's in a real bad way. And you're like, all right, we got to yeah. get this sorted out. And he's like, nope, cut her head off with a shovel. Cut her head off. <laughs> That's a great point. I didn't think of that. <laughs> He's a man of decision in this movie, unlike the last one where he wouldn't shoot yeah. her after she's like sticking him with a with a pencil in the ankle. Right. Yeah. Um so he buries her, takes her necklace, uh and puts a wooden cross on her grave, and then something that thing is rushing at him through the woods. It goes through the cabin and right into ash, and we get this freaking freaking what the fuck? this awesome shot of him like spinning around the camera as it's like propelling him through the air yeah uh do you want to talk about this shot no yeah let's talk about it i mean it was definitely like the first time watching that this movie Mm -hmm. that was like that's the thing i remember kind of the most about this movie is this shot for some reason yeah i mean it's an awesome shot and like so many things in these first two movies um it's just totally real, and it's just they got creative to get it done. But basically, <laughs> it's like it's Bruce Campbell. Uh, so they got a pickup truck, and they've got a pole mounted in the back of the pickup truck going up in the air, kind of like a flagpole at an angle. At the end of it is an iron X that they strap Bruce Campbell to. It's connected to a motor that slowly spins him around. And... um they just drove through the forest for 20 minutes, um, slowly spinning him around and hitting branches. Uh, and then they run the footage back at high speed. That's and, awesome. Uh, yeah, that's it. It's, it's, I mean, it's just real. It's just Bruce Campbell spinning around in the branches of trees. <laughs> <laughs> he, man, yeah. he suffers for his oh. art, man. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he gets beat the fuck up in this movie. Mm hmm. Uh, it spins him around, slams him against a tree, falls face down into a puddle. 
and he pops up and he's a deadite. Yeah. Um, then we see like all the the fog that's in the forest kind of like mm. gets sucked back up into the ground. Mm-hmm. And the sun, the sun's coming up, I believe. Yeah, sun's and, coming and up, and the fog's receding. Yeah, this fog's receding, and uh, the like whatever that deadite infection goes mm-hmm. away, he passes out. Uh, I'll say the one one thing that does continue to this day confuse me mm-hmm. is Ash off and on becoming a deadite. Yeah. I do a uh, same. And I think that one thing that I'm I, shocked that I never really put this together until now, but it's like, I think it's because I had to read that they had meant to make this a sequel and not just a remake. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is the point. This is literally the end of evil dead and the beginning of evil dead Two, basically. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, yeah, you're right. Cause yeah, at the end, that thing rushes at him. Mm-hmm. He screams. We get the end credits. Yeah. So, um, like, the, the spinning through the woods shot is like the first shot of the new content for, yeah. this, for this movie. And yeah, I think that uh, just like we talked about last week, how in the first one, it's sort of unclear why it, the, the demons sort of arbitrarily uh, inf- infect or uh, what's the yeah. word I'm looking for? Uh, um, possess possess yeah certain people it's the same thing with ash like going back and forth from being a deadite um, yeah that's i forgot we had talked about that last week because that was in my notes this time around was, mm-hmm. it was like it doesn't always make it's just whatever the plot requires that's right. what becomes the deadite next yeah uh, and it's not clear as to why but whatever who cares mm-hmm. yeah uh he snaps awake in front of the cabin and we see like a set of eyes superimposed over it join us and he's like fuck this gets in his car <laughs> drives out of there but the bridge is out and we get that same curled hand yeah with like the steel girders from last time the matte painting like you're talking about looks great yeah great use of matte paintings i gotta get a grip on myself the sun sets uh something's starting to rush at him again through the woods so he gets in the car drives chases him he hits a fucking stump of a uh, a downed tree and goes flying through the windshield. <laughs> Barely phases him. He runs back to the cabin. The thing in the woods is in full pursuit. Chases him through the door. He's running through the cabin. It's bursting through doors. He t- chases him through the wall. All one long tracking shot. Super mm-hmm. kinetic. Um, and then eventually he loses it. And it re- retreats back into the forest. And we see he was hiding under the trap door in the cellar uh, to get away from it. And then we get our first real big departure from like the first movie. We're in an airport now. We got a second location. <laughs> um, the plane, it's like a plane arriving, and uh, out comes Annie. She's Dr. Noby's daughter, we learn. Yeah. And uh, she has the missing pages from the Book of the Dead. Um, I wrote her boyfriend Ed picks her up, but there's no indication that they're together. The way that he, but it, I think they are. I mean, it just like really seems like from the body language and stuff. Um, yeah, but I guess technically they're just research partners. But doesn't he like give her like sneak up behind her and give her a big hug or something like? Yeah, something. It felt very intimate. Yeah, yeah. Although she's also pretty okay with uh, spoiler Ash just destroying him with an axe later on so. <laughs> yeah. 
so they're supposed to meet her father at the cabin to decipher these new pages because they might open, they might be a doorway to another world. Uh, Ash wakes up in the cabin. The piano is playing itself. And he pulls out Linda's necklace and starts to cry. It's the same song he was playing for Linda earlier, and he's getting really he's getting sentimental. About it. Yeah, he is. It, um, and then the boards start blowing off of the boarded up windows. I guess he had boarded them up where they were boarded up before. He looks outside, and Linda's hand shoots out of the ground. Her naked corpse starts dancing around in stop motion. <laughs> the great the voice. Like the like the kind of ADR voice for the the corpse is so yeah. good. It's stuck with me forever. Because uh, isn't she kind of going like la 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 la? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like this high the, pitched like yeah, yeah. Uh, while she does the dance, and then doesn't she? She does like a what do you call it in in ballet? That leap uh, is that a plie or no? I'm not sure. Um, well, anyways, she does that um, that that kind of jump that leap that you do in in ballet and like floats away mm-hmm. right and and the sound is so good it's like ah! <laughs> <laughs> and her her head rolls up and like jumps yeah. onto her neck and there's a couple of moves where she like she like tilts her body and her head mm-hmm. rolls off and she catches yeah. it it's like really the harlem globe trotters <laughs> with her own <laughs> severed head yeah <laughs> or she like does spins but the the head stays in place mhm uh, and then suddenly, it's right in his face. Dance with me. Uh, well, I'm sure she doesn't say it like that, but that's how <laughs> I just decided to vocalize it. Uh, she grabs his head, smashes it against the window boards, uh, and then he wakes up. He's in the chair again. It was all a dream. And he screams for a long time. <laughs> it's like three <laughs> separate shots, I think, of him just being like, ah! <laughs> He's having a tough time. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Suddenly, the head, Linda's head, falls in his lap. Hello, lover. She bites him, bites his hand. Uh, he's smashing it against walls, and uh, then he gets an idea. Ah, work shed. <laughs> he just says <laughs> work shed, which I'm sure yeah. it was an ADR line. So just it, clarify, it, it was. And there's a really funny bit of trivia about this. Um, that I'll share. Briefly, so this line was yeah, it was dubbed in post production because the original read was no good. Uh, so it's like a really oh. noticeable line, right? Um, and famously, this was something that uh, so there's uh, there's a running relationship between Kurt Russell and Bruce Campbell, hmm. which is because for for various points in time they shared a stuntman, a guy named John Casino. Oh. Uh, Casino is like it was ex- similar body yeah, type. And he's exclusively Kurt Russell's stuntman, but then he also occasionally works uh with Bruce Campbell. And so they had a little bit of a relationship, but in the scene from Escape from LA that we watched last month, uh when they when they got together to shoot that scene, uh this is and again, this uh, I can't say exactly how accurate this is because it does come from IMDb's trivia. Um <laughs> But uh, supposedly, upon meeting on the set, uh, Kurt Russell's first request was he asked Bruce Campbell to say the words work shed. Um, really? It was, was a favorite line of his from the movie. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. 
Yeah. Um. So are they buddies? Are they like her? Kurt Russell. I, I think or, so. Or, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, they also appear like later on. They're in the movie Sky High together, which I actually highly recommend, especially to those of you with children, uh, like probably above the age of five or six. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you soon, right? Um, it's a f- super fun movie. It's great. Um, and uh, they both do a good job in it. Kurt Russell plays like a almost like in The Incredibles, like a kind of retired, famous superhero. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a superhero like high school in the movie, and Bruce Campbell plays the gym coach. Oh, the gym, yeah. the gym teacher, I should say. Yeah, <laughs> that seems appropriate. Yeah. Uh, so he busts into the work shed with the head and puts a head in a vice. Yeah. Uh, it starts talking. We have your darling Linda's soul. You're going down. He pulls a tarp back. We see the outline of a chainsaw. The chainsaw should be there, but no, it's gone. And then Linda's corpse busts through the shed, <laughs> holding the chainsaw, <laughs> the headless corpse. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, this is so fun. It was super fun. <laughs> she, she's like, gets, it, like, the chainsaw gets knocked back, and she ends up, like, cutting into her, her own neck, blood Yeah, she's holding, she's holding the chainsaw out and then does kind of like a 180, like a rainbow motion, and the chainsaw comes back and lodges in her neck stump. Yeah. <laughs> and then proceeds to slowly saw the top half of her torso in half while the the corpse, which is clearly just on like a board or something, and like some guys under underneath just flinging it all over the room. Yeah. It's like the way it moved the movement is so it's so frenetic and like comic. And I love it so much. And I, we talked about Bruce Campbell just plays these moments so well. He like kind of fake grapples with it. It's like grabbing it and sort of dancing and spinning around the room with it. And it's just like this to me, I think is this is maybe my favorite scene in the entire. Yeah, it's it's great. Yeah. Um, And Ash tackles it, rips off its arm to retrieve the chainsaw, fires that baby up. Linda's head starts to plead with him. I think it it looks normal again. Mm -hmm. Please don't hurt me. You swore we'd always be together. Then he saws into it. We just see it in in the outline of the uh, the shadows on the wall. Uh, blood starts spraying. Body counts up to one. Yeah, doesn't it spray all over his face? Is he? Yeah, tackling? it sprays all over his face. Yeah, yeah. He just gets covered in blood. Yeah. Um, stumbles back into the cabin, finds a shotgun, chooses that instead of the chainsaw. Uh, then a rocking chair starts moving on its own, and he. Re- reluctantly kind of reaches out to stop it uh and it stops rocking on its own then he uh, stumbles over to the mirror and looks at his own reflection and his own reflection grabs him through the mirror <laughs> grabs him by the neck uh and then he like struggles with it then it's gone he taps and he taps the mirror again and it's it's just he's just fucking bugging out yeah and i love i one of the things that i really love about this series is the way that they revisit these notes, especially like the difference between the first one and the second one. We talked about it in the first one. uh, He reaches his hand into a mirror and it's water. Right. And then he screams and this happens. And in the second one, this escalates to where his sort of other demon self comes through the mirror and tries to choke him, which all leads to an army of darkness. There's a scene that takes this concept even further. Mm-hmm. Uh, which we'll talk about next week, but is one of my favorite scenes. And as I've alluded to before, is also the origin of my uh, 
my seventh grade email address. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, and they revisit it too in Nash versus the Evil Dead, which I, I, I have one episode left of season one. I am fucking loving that show. It's so it's fun. a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, it is. It is fun too because I think that for a long time, a lot of us always sort of clamored for we need an Evil Dead four. Uh, yeah, and there's a way in which like I think people are disappointed that there never was an Evil Dead four. But the thing is, is like we got more than that. Yeah, Ash versus Evil Dead is better than just a two-hour. Like it Absolutely. is, a, it is a continuation of this series. But instead of two hours, it's you know you get fucking forty Three hours seasons of, worth. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah. Um. So then he looks down at his hand, and it's oh shit, it's infected. That like kind of similar to the part one where you see like a spider mm-hmm. web of black start moving yeah. across his hand, and then it starts moving on its own it grabs his face you bastards you dirty bastards <laughs> give me back my hand <laughs> doing a little planet of the apes here yeah. <laughs> uh and then we see ed and annie they get to the bridge it's out and we meet jake and bobby joe a couple of townies jake uh played by uh oh what's his name I, I, uh, Danny. uh dan hicks dan hicks yeah. da- stan hicks dan hicks sorry uh, and Bobby Joe, the they'll show them the way to the cabin, but they have to pay them to do it. So they agreed a hundred dollars to lead them there. Yeah. <laughs> um, back at the cabin, Ash's hand is going buck wild. Has a little voice. The, I mean, the I don't think you can, I don't think you can oversell for me at least how well he plays this scene. Uh huh. Like. The physical acting of him fighting with his own hand yeah. is so good. It's, it's so fun. good. He's a great physical comedian. Yeah. Like you really, truly are a, for me at least, even watching it like yesterday for the probably 15th, 20th time, mm-hmm. I can completely divorce myself from knowing that it is just Bruce Campbell doing hand motions. It's like It feels like he's fighting against something else. It's yeah. great. It's done so well. Yeah, it's he. It starts smashing plates over his head. It punches him. It flips him onto his back. Yeah, uh, he does a standing front flip onto yeah. his back. It's crazy. He must be so sore after these. Oh scenes. my god! Yeah. Um, and then the hand sees a meat cleaver, and Ash is like passed out, but the hand starts to like mm-hmm. inch its way towards it, drags him across the floor. Yeah. It looks great. I don't know how they did. That. I assume. He's pushing on something with his feet out of frame to oh, make yeah, those little that, that steps make forward. But it looks so good. It looks great. Yeah. Uh, we see like the point of view of the hand going towards the meat cleaver, which is like you know, classic Raimi, just an interesting point of view mm-hmm. shot. Yeah. And then right before it gets to the cleaver, Ash stabs it with a butcher knife. That's right. <laughs> Who's laughing now? <laughs> Like the manic energy he plays this with is so great. It's just he's screaming and cackling at his own hand that he just yeah. stabbed into the floor. And it's just, this is one of those scenes where it's like, I think why well, I had said the shed scene is probably my personal favorite, but I think this has to be this is probably the most famous part of this movie. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and it's for good reason. I mean, he just does it so well and it's violent and it's funny and it's just awesome. And then he fucking fires up the chainsaw and chainsaws it off. <laughs> Cackling the whole time. Cackling. That's the best part. He's he's sawing his own hand off and just laughing at the top of his lungs. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we briefly cut away to the guys, the other guys going through the woods toward the cabin. Uh, Ash traps the hand under a bucket and puts some books on it <laughs> to trap it. Here's your new home. He yeah, tapes his stump up. The, the top book does say a farewell to arms, which when I was oh, 11, yeah, yeah, that's right. I that's thought right. was, fu- I thought it was very funny. <laughs> I missed it this time around, but yeah, it's, I yeah. remember now that he's mentioned it. Uh, it flips the bucket while his back is turned and he grabs a shotgun. He sees that it's, it's escaped. The hands crawling through the walls. It goes like in like a really classic mm-hmm. mouse hole. Yeah, it's a Tom and Jerry cartoon. It's literally yeah. what's happening. It's <laughs> it, it, it's so good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Ash is just like shooting at the wall to try to to try to get it. It gets caught in a mouse trap, and he laughs at it, and it flips him off. <laughs> <laughs> Which okay, so this brings up something that came up during Return of the Living Dead Part Two. Yes. Where there's a hand that flips off, a severed hand that flips off the drivers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Looking at this, this time around, that looked like a green screen hand, like a mm-hmm. real hand that was on, like superimposed or something. So I, I, I don't know if that, if that, if our theory holds up. About the using the same hand thing? Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know if it's this shot in particular. I will do a little bit more research, but I thought about that a little yesterday, too. Yeah, I think for that shot, it's just coming out of the ground. Yeah, that's what it looked um, like, yeah. Yeah, but I think it's for some of the other stuff. I don't know. Uh, I think uh, I think specifically the hand that we're probably talking about, the hand in question, would be towards the end of the film when it, we see the hand by itself clutching Bobby Joe. Oh, uh, okay. That would make sense. Then. Um. So. He uh, it gets caught in the mouse trap. He all right. The the double barrel shotgun has a lot of bullets in it. I noticed he's like shooting several <laughs> times without reloading. Uh, so then he shoots the wall, and a trickle of blood comes out. He's like, "Gotcha, didn't I, you little sucker?" And then blood just starts shooting out of the walls, flooding the room. It's like completely yeah. fire hose spraying him. Yeah. Uh, this is one of those classic. They shot it. Uh, at a 90 degree angle and then just like built the set sideways. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. So, so Bruce Campbell is actually like lying on his back and all of the blood is just pouring onto him. And this is one of the famous stories about some of the punishment that he received on this set. Apparently, uh, this was a lot like being waterboarded. <laughs> uh, he felt like he was drowning, and I guess he was like hacking up fake blood for like days afterwards. Wow! Uh, like out of his, like shooting it out of his nose and shit. Yeah, it sounds awful. Gross. Did I tell the story about how I got shot in the face with, um, in Yeti Two? Uh, there's a scene where I uh, throw a fetus into a Yeti you've, fetus into. You've a, not told this story. A fetus yeah. shredder. Yeah, I remember that a, scene. A spray of blood hits me in the face. So um, for that blood, I don't know why we decided to use it, but we just used stage. No. Oh, because it's going into my face. I guess we uh-huh. used um, blood that you could put in your mouth. Okay. Uh, which was mint flavored. So it's like <laughs> menthol. Okay. Um, and I was super, super concerned about flinching before it hits my face. Like sure. I just did not. I just thought it would look really, really bad if I like anticipated it shooting at me. Uh-huh. So I was like, "All right, don't fucking close your eyes. Let it hit you, and then close right. your eyes." Uh, unfortunately, I was a little bit 
two method. It sprayed <laughs> me directly into the eyes. Oh, mint blood. Oh, so no. it's like having like like Vicks vapor rub in my eyes. Jesus, it burned so bad, and I was wearing contacts. My contacts were dyed red. <laughs> so I could everything looked red and my eyes were burning. I had to sit down. I had to like lay down for half an hour after because I was like in so much pain. And That's then awful. for the rest of the shoot that day, I had no contacts because my contacts were like useless at that point. So I just wow. like super blind during <laughs> the rest of the that day. You're a regular Bruce Campbell. I'm a regular <laughs> I'm a real Bruce Campbell over here. Yeah. Um so then uh then all of a sudden the blood's just gone. And he's like hallucinating all this shit. The deer head in a lamp start laughing at him. <laughs> like the deer head turns and looks, and they all just start yeah. laughing. Books start flying off the uh, cases. The whole like the whole fucking cabin is laughing. Bruce starts laughing. At, he starts like the weird little squat dance he does next to the lamp is so funny. <laughs> and then suddenly Jake bursts through the door, tackles Ash. Uh, the others are right behind him, and Jake knocks Ash out, and Annie starts freaking out because she doesn't know where her parents are, and then she sees the bloody chainsaw, so she assumes that Ash killed them. Right. And so they throw him into the basement. He takes quite the tumble down those stairs. Yeah. Uh, maybe this is John Casino. Maybe it's not Bruce Campbell. Maybe, yeah. Because it's but a pretty it looks, rough bump he It looks takes. rough. Yeah. Um, it's funny to me, stuntmen, because they're doing. It's not like that shit doesn't hurt, right? They're just, I guess, they're a little bit. They're just in great shape and they know how to take a fall. But it's like that shit still fucking must hurt so bad. Yeah, I mean that is the that is the the dark secret of stunt work is like they are doing it. Like yeah, like when you see somebody fall down a flight of stairs. It's not like they built fake stairs that can't hurt someone. It's just like, yeah, they might have some padding. And like you said, they've got the training to do it in a safer way than an actor would. But it's still a, somebody just tumbling down a flight of stairs. Yeah. Um, They're nuts. So. Wait, what? Okay. What? Ash. Oh, okay. I guess during all this, Bobby Joe got shot. I guess, yeah, I uh, think Ash shoots through the Ash wall or something the wall. like that. That's what it was. Yeah. Yes, yes. It's yeah. like a total afterthought anyways. Like in the next scene, they're like nursing her wounds and then it's whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so then so they're nursing Bobby Joe's shoulder wound. And Annie turns the tape recorder on. And uh, then we hear the part by Dr. Noby that he thinks his wife is now host to the demon. She tried to kill him. <laughs> and uh, she's dead. He couldn't bring himself to dismember her, but instead he buried her in her fruit cellar. And this is a tense moment. I will say this movie is a lot less scary than the first one, Mm -hmm. but this is a great moment of sort of building dread and surprise as he's like, this story is unfolding on the tape recorder and you find out she's in the cellar as Ash is trapped in the cellar. Yeah. Ash is down there and then she bursts through the, through the floor What's in my fruit cellar? Someone with a fresh soul. She's real gross looking. So I guess this is Ted Raimi. Yeah. In like that, like Norbit style fat suit. <laughs> yeah. Zombie Norbit. Yeah. Oh, that's a fucking 
cut that out of the podcast. We're making that. <laughs> Zorbit. <laughs> Z- Zorbit? Is that what you call it? Yeah, I call it Zorbit. <laughs> uh, so then Ash starts screaming to be let out. We get that classic, I'll swallow your soul. Um, She turns to claymation. Like her neck gets long, right? Is this yeah. the part where that happens? Like her face mm-hmm. and stuff turns to claymation. Yeah, it looks like uh, uh, Q, the winged serpent. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, and then she, they get Ash out of there. They open up the trap door. They get him out. Then it's like a puppet head. Like her long ass neck is coming through the trap door. Um, Ash slams the trap door down on its head. Her eye pops out, <laughs> flies through the air, point of view, straight into Bobby Joe's mouth, and she swallows yeah. it. <laughs> One thing I noticed with this especially, but just also going through this whole movie, I mean, it's not surprising, but I do think that there are a number of visual gags like this one that seem to have been uh, paid homage to, if we want to be generous, in Dead Alive. Mm-hmm. Um like the flying eyeball being one, but it's like there's there are a couple different things, and I would almost say even the design of Henrietta, yes, um, like the the sort of end ghoul mother of Dead Alive seems to be a much larger scale and and more detailed kind of, but they share some traits for sure. I absolutely yeah, I thought the same thing. What year did Dead Alive come out? Was it eighty nine? No, Dead Alive's the ninety three. I want ninety three. Okay. Oh yeah. yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. So plenty um, of time for Peter Jackson to have been exposed to this movie. Yeah, for sure. Um, so he, Ash tells him, there's something out there. That witch in the cellar is only part of it. It lives out in those woods in, in the dark. Something that's come back from the dead. And then Henrietta starts singing the Mockingbird song from the trap door. And we see her. She's, her, she's back to normal now. Uh, she's singing to Annie. Remember that song, Annie? I used to sing that to you when you were a baby. Uh, she wants to be let out. And then Ed turns around. Oh, fuck. He's infected somehow. Um, He looks crazy. He starts levitating. I love when he he's. Yeah, they do a great job with his face makeup and yeah. the interior of his mouth. Uh, which I'm realizing that this actually predates Beetlejuice, um, by a year. But it's like it's he's almost got that kind of, um, some of the uh, uh cost. Uh, what is it? The special effects, uh, in Beetlejuice, I think, are like a little bit inspired by this too. And I could be wrong, but I think it's like his mouth the, looks like the the sandworm kind of thing, and the, yeah, like and, the uh, snaggle teeth. Yes, and then like his face is kind of pulled back and what, but anyways, it looks awesome. And again, it's like the energy. I can't say it enough times, but like the energy in this movie is so infectious. And it's like I think that is part of what keeps it from getting scary is that it sacrifices its ability to kind of go slowly and build dread yes, by just yes. going fucking pedal to the metal the whole time. Absolutely, yeah, because the first movie does have a quite a bit of a slow build up. Mm-hmm. To when shit starts popping off in this right. movie, it's just from almost jump. It's fucking just going. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he's he starts saying like, "We are the things that were and shall be again." Um, and then they all start chanting him and and Henrietta, "Dead by dawn." Ed takes a bite out of Annie's hair. 
<laughs> which is really <laughs> gross and weird. He swallows it, right? <laughs> yeah. Then he yeah. grabs Jake. He throws him against the like a light bulb on the ceiling. Um, Ash runs and gets an axe, and he chops that up. Green blood is going everywhere. Uh, body counts up to two. Jake looks out the window. Um, that's funny. The trail we came in here in here on, well, it's just not there anymore. Just like the woods swallowed it up. And it gets real quiet. And then shit just starts going nuts. There's like loud noise that's zooming all around the room. They're all like mm-hmm. looking at it, following it with their eyes. The bedroom door swings open. It goes in there. And Ash is like, all right, we'll all go in together. And Jake says, hell no, you're the curious one. <laughs> Does this, is this also where we get the line about they're asking what the sound is? And Ash sort of posits that it sounds like something trying to get in from another dimension. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like right. a weirdly yeah. sort a of weird expository specific. line. <laughs> it's like, that's quite the jump in uh, in logic you made, but I have a yeah. suspicion that's exactly what it is. <laughs> uh, so Annie goes in there with them. Jake and Bobby Joe come in after them and scare them. There's kind of a jump scare. Um, a spectral being of Annie's father appears. There's a dark spirit here that wants to destroy you. Your salvation lies in there. And he points to the new pages of the book. Recite the passages. Dispel the evil. Save my soul or you'll all die. Um, and Bobby, Bobby Joe is like, Jake, you're holding my hand too tight. Baby, I ain't holding your hand. Oh, shit, the hand's back. <laughs> it's hold- the hand's holding her hands. Bobby Joe freaks out, runs into the woods. Uh, and then the branches attack her like like the death in part one, or not the death, but the brand, the tree attack, and they drag her through the woods really fast, right into a tree. Body count number three, I guess. Yeah. Does she come yeah, back? Yeah. Um, not we can alive. This as the end of yeah. her. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, right when she um hits the tree we get a really cool associative cut of glass shattering it's ash breaking the the frame that the pages are in mm-hmm. and he uh, gets a kill he gets a chill i uh, felt like someone walked over my grave and he's flipping through the pages and we see he doesn't know this but we know this it's him in the pages holding mm-hmm. up a shotgun or a chainsaw or something yeah uh with everybody like in or medieval times, yeah. Medieval times, everybody's like praying to him. Uh, and in 1300 AD, they called him the hero from the sky. He was prophesied to destroy the evil. Um, and so they, ha- they need to recite three passages. One that's going to summon the dark spirit. The second one, which I guess they've already done. Mm-hmm. The second one will destroy. Well, I'm sorry. It we'll turns it into a, a physical rhythm. form, right? Oh, that's what it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what it is. Uh, it will cause a rift in time, and the third one will send the spirit back. Um, so then Jake, in a real heel turn, pulls a shotgun on him. And he, he wants them to go out with him to find Bobby's Joe. I guess it's not really a heel turn. 
He's being he's concerned about his. Yeah, but he's also holding them at gunpoint. Yeah, I would be if I were Jake and looked like Jake and had a girlfriend who looked like Bobby Sue. (laughs) I would really want to find her (laughs) for sure. Yeah. Sorry not to make fun of people's physical appearances. Everything's Um, going down the drain for me right now. That's what he's thinking. Yeah. Um. So then he takes Ash and Annie into the woods by gunpoint. Then the trees are moving. And then, of course, the thing in the woods rushing at them. Jake screaming for Bobby Joe. Um, and then all of a sudden, Ash is back to being a dead-eyed again. Mm. He picks Jake up, slams him against a tree. He chases Annie back into the cabin. Um, she locks him out, grabs a dagger, and then uh, starts stalking through the cabin with it. And then the door bursts open. And she stabs it, whatever it is. Oh shit! It's Jake. It's not Ash. Um, and then so then dead-eyed Ash pops out of the window. Um, and she like, he's like pushing through the door at her, but she's like pushing against it, and he stops. Um, she falls. I wrote sorry. I was frantically trying to keep notes at this point. She falls <laughs> on the knife in Jake's chest. So she fall backwards and like ram the knife further into his chest is that what happened yeah something like that yeah i mean it's definitely like kind of a comedy of errors yeah yeah uh Uh, and she grabs an axe henrietta bursts through the trap door grabs jake by the head pulls him down into the basement gallons of blood just gush out (laughs) body count three uh did i already say three body count four uh and then ash grabs her and he throws her against the wall knocks her out and he sees Linda's necklace and it makes him real sad. He starts, brings him back to himself, finds mm-hmm. humanity within himself. Yeah. I think you just answered your own question about how do you, you know, you hold on to that yeah, piece I guess. of your humanity. That's how you turn back into a human yeah. or the sunlight chases the evil away. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. Um. Then he scream cries while ho- holding it up. <laughs> um. And then Annie attacks him with the axe, but he has to, and he has to like convince her that yeah. he's normal now. <laughs> There's a fun couple beats where it doesn't take the first time, so he like talks some sense into her. There's a beat. She tries to cut his head off with an axe again. There's <laughs> that happens again. There's another beat. I think it takes three to rise. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's funny. Yeah. Uh, if we're gonna beat this thing, we're gonna need those pages. Um. Oh yeah, the pages had the pages got knocked into the basement at some or, or point he, he threw them into the jake threw, threw them, them into the cellar jake yeah. threw them in there that's right that's right i'm sorry i wrote that down but i missed i missed that line when he when he leads him at gunpoint outside he throws the pages downstairs so to be like you don't pay attention to that you come help right. me um so then they uh let's let's head on down there and carve ourselves a witch <laughs> and we get a quick montage of them making the hand chainsaw now, I wanted to ask, I don't know if you know the answer to this, because I don't, and this might be a good question for some of our listeners. Is this the genesis of this kind of scene? Or is this like a, is this like a parody of like a Rambo type thing, where it's like we have all these shots of him like gearing up for the, to, to do the chainsaw and they do like those pump, those really fast yeah. push zooms. Cause this is something that Edgar Wright, Edgar does. Wright. Yeah. Yeah. Which is definitely, 
makes me feel like Edgar Wright probably got it from this because I know he loves this movie. Yeah. Um, but I'm wondering if even then still, if this is the origin of that style of like kind of, you know, getting all your weapons together uh, or if this is coming from somewhere further back. That's a great question. I can't think of an earlier example. Um, I'm by no means an expert, but like I do host a podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, you should pretend. But yeah, to be th- this might be the first time. It, Killstreakers, write into us if you have another example of this happening before Evil Dead 2, yeah. or if this is referencing something that we're not aware of. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, it really became just this montage in particular became a trope in itself. Yeah. Uh, and it's cool. I understand why. Definitely. Um, so then Ash has his chainsaw hand. He uses it to saw off the shotgun. Groovy. And I do like, I will say something. I was thinking as I was watching this, uh, he's got this groovy line. And then I think shortly he has another line, which I won't spoil. But it's like they're delivered. It's just the right amount of kind of campiness and like sort of comedy as much as I've always like, I'm a little bit dreading watching Army of Darkness. I haven't watched in a long time, and I only uh-huh. say that because it, for a long time it was one of my favorite, if not my favorite movie ever, more so even than this movie. Yeah, but I have a feeling that some of the things that I enjoyed the most about it, just as I'm older, I will find to be like a little bit on the nose. And it's like I think of some of Ash's signature lines, you know, especially like something like a give me some sugar, baby, that kind of yeah. thing, which is like really funny when you're 14. And now as a 36 year old, I'm like, eh, you know? Yeah. Well, um, I'm glad you brought that up because one in my notes, mm-hmm. I, I wrote, why do you think groovy stuck around? Like, why know. is that like an iconic line in this movie? Yeah. Cause it's not very funny. I I was what I mean I was going to say that I do like that they're a little bit reserved here. Groovy. Mm-hmm. The delivery on Groovy isn't quite as hammy as he'll go on to do later on. And I think mm-hmm. his next line which I think is uh let's go, right? Um mm-hmm. like it's a, just it's it's like they I think they overdo it a little bit in some of the Army of Darkness stuff, but in this it's like perfect. But I also have a feeling I'm going to watch Army of Darkness. I'm going to forget all that. I'm going to get wrapped up in it, and I'm going to love it. So, uh, Also, I don't know that I wrote the the next line that you were mm-hmm. ex- talking about, so point it out when I get there. I think, okay, if I can remember where, yeah. Um. So then a, we see outside a tree come to life. It's pretty cool. It looks like, like the roots are like tentacles. Yeah. And it like starts to crawl. Uh, meanwhile, they get into the basement. Uh, they like open the back door into like the deeper part of the basement. Mm-hmm. Uh, a skeleton falls on Ash, uh, and he finds the pages in the puddle. He tosses them up to Annie, and then Henrietta grabs Ash and pulls him through the staircase. Like she gra- like reaches through the stairs, grabs him by the feet, right, and then, like drags him through the staircase. Mm-hmm. Um. Then Annie starts reciting the words. And then Henrietta comes through the trap door, grabs her by the hair. While like she, she like bursts in my memory, Henrietta bursts through the trap door and is like flying around the room. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah, that spinning, shot we were talking about. Spinning around spinning above, above, Annie's above, head, above yeah. her head, grabbing Annie by the hair. Um, and then Ash comes out of the trap door and he challenges Henrietta 
I think this is let's go. Yeah, like this is let's go. He interrupts. He kind of interrupts Henrietta attacking Annie. And he's just like, I don't know if he says hey or yo or if he says anything else, but just sort of it's almost like a record scratch moment. And he's like, let's go. Yeah, let's go. Uh, They fight. She goes into claymation. Her neck gets super long. (laughs) Looks awesome. I'll swallow your soul. I'll swallow your soul. <laughs> and then Annie starts singing the Mockingbird song that stops her. And she looks over at her and Ash takes that opportunity and slices her apart with a chainsaw. It sounds like a deflating balloon, like the sound design on it. <laughs> uh, swallow this. Then Ash blows her head apart with a shotgun. Ash and Annie hug. Then suddenly the cabin is starting to get bashed by the trees. It's getting torn apart. Annie only completed the first part, the first passage. That activated the spirit, so she needs to finish it. Um, a giant head yeah. bursts through the door. Yeah. So this is the evil taking on a physical form. Right. And that was what form. The, the first half of the spell was, is that she got it to turn from this thing that just is in the woods running. It's, it's no longer just a spirit. Now it's just this tri- giant tree monster. Tree monster, yeah. Yeah. Um, it, looks, it looks awesome. I love it. It's, uh, me too, yeah. It's such a great practical effect. I mean, it is. they literally just built this thing. And I read, um, there's uh, from the Evil Dead companion book, one of the excerpts that I read, that after they finished the production of the movie, this head prop sort of disappeared and nobody really knew where it was and then a few years later someone uh found like it basically it popped up as part of like a haunted house oh wow in a town a couple uh, towns over from where they shot this which i thought was very fun that's Um, awesome yeah um so the head bursts the door annie starts reciting the second passage but She's stabbed in the back with that dagger by the hand, the severed hand. <laughs> yeah. A giant uh-huh. tree hand, like the, the, that being's tree hand, grabs Ash yeah. and pulls him towards the head. It's like an evil ent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so Annie has opened the portal, but she dies. She fin- I think she finishes saying those words mm-hmm. and she dies. The yeah. portal's open. Body counts up to four. Ash sticks the chainsaw right into the giant head's eye. Purple blood gushes out. Mm -hmm. His car sucked into the portal and then the head and then the cabin and Ash gets sucked into it with a, with it. And then Ash and the car fall from the sky into like a desert. I I don't want to, I don't want to miss just, I want to note that Mm -hmm. they have a lot of fun here. With the effects, specifically the the portal animation, but then also oh, yeah, as yeah, he yeah. goes through the portal, it almost it's like kind of a Willy Wonka like psychedelic boat trip vibe. There's some yeah. fun lights and stuff. Yeah, it is uh, fun. It's fun. Yeah. Um. So then he falls. He falls to the floor in the desert, or some some dusty place. Knights surround him. Slay the beast. Tis a deadite. I guess finally first is this is the first time a deadite is I mentioned. I think it's by the name? first utterance of deadite. Yeah, I think deadite is just a term from the 1300s. Uh and then a flying demon fl- comes at them and Ash blows its head off with a shotgun. 
they all take a knee. Hail he who came from, comes from the sky to deliver us from the deadites. And then Ash just screams, no! <laughs> Our reluctant hero. Yeah, he's not happy about it. And End yeah. of the movie. We close on his anguished screams. <laughs> Cliffhanger. Yeah. When uh, Evil Army of Darkness, what year does that come out? That comes out in 91, 92. 92 so, yeah. Yeah, man. This is a, a cliffhanger for sure. It took five years. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we here at Killstreak like to highlight a few things at the end of these movies. Uh, one is moments that don't age well, a moment that aged the worst. You know, a lot of these movies are old and maybe contain some questionable language or uh, stuff that just doesn't age. Well, you know, that's the name of the category. Right. <laughs> age well. Things that <laughs> Be a bad special well. effects. Yeah. I thought a lot about this. I don't know that I can really think of an example in this movie. I mean, like some of the effects, you know, they aren't great by modern standards, but I think they look better than most modern movies I, because I, they're physical. I don't think there are any bad effects in this movie. I yeah. think that there are unrealistic effects. But yeah, they're, sure. But they're fun and they capture the spirit they're going for. Um, you know, we've essentially revised the tree assault scenario in this one to be mm-hmm. much more uh, acceptable than what we have in the first movie. Um, I got nothing, man. I, I really, got nothing too. I think, I think this movie has aged like a fine fucking wine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, the next best death. There's uh four deaths by my count in this movie. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Best death. So, Uh, I if you want, I can go first. I have yeah, go first. I have a firm one, which I already kind of tipped my hat to, but I think that uh, what we'll call Linda's death, her ultimate death as a deadite, not as uh, just being possessed and initially beheaded, mm-hmm. but the shed sequence. Yeah. Um, specifically, the chaotic uh, chainsaw in the chest uh, battle with Ash concluded with him cackling and being sprayed with blood as he saws his girlfriend's head in half. Um, yeah. It's just, it's, I think the energy is awesome. The effects are great. It's so fun. It's so gross. It's what you're talking about. Like the movie doesn't seem that violent, but it's because it's like this crazy stick figure corpse torso, but it's like, it has a chainsaw embedded in it and there's blood spraying everywhere. Like it's great. It's very violent. Yeah. I mean, I think truthfully, that's probably mine too, but I also want to call out, um, Jake's death getting sucked into the trap door and just gallons of blood <laughs> rushing out is pretty funny to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, great. Well, hey, these are scary movies, or they're trying to be scary sometimes, sometimes mm-hmm. they're not trying to be scary. And so we like to write their scariness. Um, and we do that using the carpenter scale. Yeah. Um, and in this case, you know, this isn't a very scary movie exactly. I don't think it's trying to go for big scares like the first movie. No. There are certainly some good jump scares. Um And I do think like I remember back to when I first saw this. I was probably eleven or twelve years old. And I do think that like it was scary in parts. Mm-hmm. And uh 
you know, the, especially the stuff in the woods, like it's, it's so iconic now that it almost gets me excited. Cause I love it so much. Yeah. But like the shaky cam and like the, like the evil flying through the woods after people like that stuff scared me when I was a kid. Sure. Um, and so I would say that this is like, it's below the evil dead for sure. It is not as scary as the first one, but I would put this somewhere on the carpenter scale with a, like alongside a movie that is trying to be scary and succeeds at least some of the time. Um, I don't know. Do you have it? Did you have any thoughts coming into it? No, it was one that I was kind of going to figure out on the fly. Okay. And I'm looking at, um, you know, no, you know, that's actually, no, I have a good one for next week. I think. Okay, great. But yeah, I think next yeah. week is, there's a real solid candidate, but as far as this week, I can nominate one. I think that is a movie that is, uh, funny, but also not probably shock scary like this movie is trying to be, but I think the level of dread and discomfort that it brings Mm. Uh, I think they live has a, a has a similar tone. I mean, there is more of a jump scare traditional horror thing here akin to like a Prince of Darkness, but Prince of Darkness is such a dark, serious movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it may be equally scary, but I think the tone is a mismatch. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, let's lock it in. We call Evil Dead 2 on the Carpenter scale. They live. Love it. And then finally, Mary Fuck Kill. I mean, come on, we know it's a kill. This movie sucks. <laughs> this movie kills. If yeah. that's what you mean. Yeah. Uh, there are a few better. I don't know why I said it with that weird accent, but a few better. Yeah. Oh, but I mean, Lord. well, one of the things, uh, you know, Eric and I were debating what to do for an end segment and, mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things we talked about was like, hey, should we do a, a Mount Rush gore of like horror comedy movies? And it's like, well, and I didn't really want to because I felt like it's such a foregone conclusion that there's like a handful of great, great horror comedies. And like, I don't know, I'll just blow I'll blow a whole end segment here right now. <laughs> but it's just like there's for me, there's Dead Alive, which we've talked about before, how much we love it. There's a movie like Reanimator. Mm-hmm. And then I think this is probably the best. This might be the best horror comedy ever made. Um, yeah, I think you're right. Um, yeah. I'd also like to call out Slither too. I think I, I think that's a great Slither's horror great. comedy. Yeah, could fight for the sort of the recent spot. Could be the Teddy Roosevelt of our Mount yeah. Rushmore. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it. We just did the end segment, so we don't need okay. to come up with an idea between this segment and the next segment. <laughs> What are you talking about? We already came up with a great idea. You're right. You're right. Right? right? Didn't we? Right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I don't want to belabor a point that you guys already get. This movie is just phenomenal. And I think if you're if if you're listening to this podcast and you somehow made it through to the end of this and you've never seen it, what are you doing with your life? Go see Evil Dead 2, for the love of God. A uh, heck yeah. It's a Mary for me as well. Um, any final thoughts before we move on? Um, this movie rules. Movie uh, rules. It's one of the greatest of all time. And I love Sam Raimi. I love Bruce Campbell. I love this movie. And uh, yeah, that's all. That's all I have to and say. And I love you. Aww. All right, guys. We'll be right back 
and uh, have something and we'll, special we'll, planned for you. Yeah, and we'll be back. We, we'll be back, <laughs> and we'll be right back. We'll be right, 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 right back. <laughs> okay, and we're back here with the final segment that we definitely pre-planned before recording this episode yeah. and definitely did not come up with in between the last break and now. It's a lot of weird extraneous information Eric's giving you guys. I usually that's all don't true. Clarify yeah. that. Um, yeah. I, I'll start clarifying that from going yeah. forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike, why don't you tell the listeners? Sure. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I would argue that the linchpin of the Evil Dead franchise is Bruce Campbell and his performance as Ash Williams. Uh, as I mentioned before, he was a childhood hero of mine. Uh, this character in particular, I've loved forever. And there's a couple of reasons why. I think Eric hit at some of them earlier. One is because he's got great comedic chops, but what really sets him apart is that not only does he have those chops, but he is a handsome guy with one yeah. hell of a chin, right? Yeah. Um, and so inspired by one of the hunkiest icons in all of horror, uh, a genre frequently dominated by final girls or mm-hmm. uh, masked monsters. We wanted to give a little shout out and do our Mount Rush gore of horror hunks. Yes. Cue no, the music. Theme music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have some music queued up. Hold on. Let me get it. I'm it's too sexy for man. Hallelujah. It's <laughs> Yeah, I was going to go with the right said Fred. I think you made the right call. Oh, yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah. Uh, so let's kick it off here. Um, sure. Obviously, did. Yeah, I'll I'll take the bullet. I'll take the 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 easy one. Uh, we got four spots on Mount Rushmore, and one of them certainly is reserved for Bruce Campbell. Um, he is a guy who uh, I think some people have made this same comment about Brad Pitt over the course of his career. But he's like a, a fantastic character actor trapped in a leading man's body mm-hmm. for much of his career. And I think that the Evil Dead series is the one time that he really gets to shine, that really highlights everything that he's great at, because he should be like a comedic actor. But uh, acting be damned. The man is hot. All right. He has a great, <laughs> strong chin, right? Oh, yeah. uh, he's tall, lean and muscular in this movie. And as he grows older, he fills out into uh, the classic daddy that we'd all like to have. <laughs> um, I mean, even now, if uh, for anybody who's watched in the last couple of years, Ash versus the Evil Dead, uh, I mean, it, it, I wouldn't hold it against my fiance if uh, if she got wandering eyes. That's all I'll say. Sure. Um but yeah, uh, whether it's Autolycus on Hercules or Jack of All Trades, Adventures of Briscoe County Jr., this guy was always smoking hot. And yeah, Ash in particular, especially as he takes his turn from being a true coward in the first movie to a bit more of a hero in this one. Um, yeah, that'll get your motor running, people. So that's my first pick for Mount Rushmore. Speaking of getting our motors running, my pick for the second head on Mount Rushmore. <laughs> you know, this this guy has been getting a lot of... I've been noticing his name on Twitter a lot lately. Ooh. People are starting to really come around 
uh-huh. and appreciate this hunk. Um, I think what's most attractive about this this man, A, he never seems to age, and B, he's very handsome and sexy, but in a very unthreatening way, okay. which I think okay. appeals to a lot of people. Especially he's Zoomers, not right? The Zoomers these days. The Zoomers these days. They like a yeah. sensitive hunk. Yeah. Exactly. And so, of course, you know him. I know him. I'm talking about Butterball from Hellraiser. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm Uh, talking about Paul Rudd as Tommy Doyle in Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers. (laughs) Wow. Okay. That's (laughs) a deep Does this man ever age? Mm. Uh, Yeah. I mean, Paul Rudd is a little hottie. Yeah. And not a lot of people know that he got his start here on uh, Halloween 6. Yeah, absolutely. Do you want to talk in any more vivid detail about the physical traits of Paul Rudd that you find attractive? Oh, of course. Sure. (laughs) Uh, He is, I mean, he's handsome. There's no Uh getting around it. But he's boy next door handsome, which I I think really like speaks to to what I like. Mm -hmm. Um, And similar to Bruce Campbell. Funny. He's not funny in yeah. Halloween Six. That movie's yeah. not very good at all. <laughs> so it's funny that he's even—he's not even considered a horror actor, but he's right. in a horror movie, so therefore he qualifies. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> all right, I love that pick. Um, my second nomination for Mount Rushmore is perhaps a little bit unorthodox. Uh, well, I'll be talking about a man who I think is widely regarded by a certain swath of the population as being quite attractive, but it's a unique pick because the character and the journey of the character, uh, I think really throws into stark contrast just how attractive our hunk is at the beginning of the movie versus how wildly unattractive he is by the end of the movie. Oh, okay. And I am going to go with Jeff Goldblum as Seth Brundle in The Fly. That's a good pick. It's a really um, good pick. Jeff Goldblum, a classic 80s hottie, but an unorthodox hunk. You know, mm-hmm. he's uh, statuesque. I think Jeff Goldblum might be 6'6". Uh, I'm going to do... You want to do a quick Google for me while I continue to extol his hot Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll look that up. Yeah. Uh, thick, lustrous hair... Uh, just that manner of speaking that he has is entrancing and who can forget that iconic pose of him in a, in a kind of half crouch nude inside one of his teleporter pods. Mm-hmm. Um, he's six, with, four, by the way, he's six, four. Okay. Well, he's still taller than me. So that's yep. impressive. Um, yeah, just with a perfectly positioned thigh to hide all of, uh, all of his, the Goldblum family secrets. Are we going to have uh, to bleep this one too? <laughs> no, no, we're good. We're good. Uh, yeah. And also I think we get to see him in some jockeys at one point. Yeah. Um, yeah. So really just like, I don't know, Jeff Goldblum, he does something special, I think. And he's just, I mean, again, entrancing. I think people really started to notice it around 93. You get him in uh, Dr. Malcolm and Jurassic Park. Is mm-hmm. his real coming out party as a super hunk, but I mean it's all there in the fly until you know it isn't until um, <laughs> it melts off of him. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <clears throat> all right, what about you, Eric? The last spot on the, the Mount Rushmore of horror hunks. I struggled with this one, but okay, I have to go with my first thought. Okay, okay. 
Uh, and this is somebody. Well, my first thought actually was Eric Goslin from Yeti a Love Story and <laughs> another Yeti a Love Story, Life on the Street. Sure. Portrays sex sex piss. piss. Yeah. It's right there in the name. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, I guess uh, I'm going to disqualify myself. Okay. My first thought was Johnny Depp in um, mm-hmm. in Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. But I don't know if I can do that in good conscience. Okay. Yes, whatever. Right now. Um, so I'm going to go with the next best thing, which is uh-huh. Skeet Ulrich from Scream, <laughs> <laughs> who looks shockingly like Johnny Depp. Yeah. He plays Billy Loomis, uh, who, hey, spoiler alert, turns out to be one of the killers in Scream. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he's, uh, man, he's just a smoldering bad boy. You know, he, he, he yeah. wants to get uh, Sydney. He wants to bed her. That, yeah. Uh, I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. He's got a little bit of a homoerotic sort of subplot with Matthew Lillard. Yeah. It would seem. Yeah. He's got that great head of hair. Oh, my cla- God. Like real, really a 90s mm-hmm. looking guy. Yeah. Um, I wonder what he's up to these days. I You don't really see him around, do you? He's Is he in Riverside? I want to say he's on that show. Oh, maybe. Um, okay. But um, also, help me out here. There's another guy... Who's like a poor man Skeet Ulrich from that era? Who am I thinking of? Um, poor man Skeet Ulrich. Are you thinking of Lee? No, not Lee of Schreier. No, part two. No. Oh, he's in um, one as well. Or is Skeet Ulrich a poor man someone's else? I mean, I know he's the poor man's Johnny Depp, right? But. But I feel like there's a third guy in this group that I'm forgetting. Hmm. Um, Freddie Prinze Jr.? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, that's not right. No, I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure no. you're thinking of. Okay. Well, Killstreakers, help us out with this one, too. Um, yeah. Tell us, tell us what you think. And you know what? Also, just send us your noms for Mount Rushmore yeah, Horror Hunks. Tell us the hunks that you like. Yeah, chime in, chime in, tell us, Eric, where can they chime in? They can write into killstreakpod at gmail.com. They can follow us at killstreakpod on Twitter, and I recommend doing it. I've been quiet this week because of all the election news, but um, I run that Twitter account. I like to have fun with it. Mm-hmm. I like to do some surveys every once in yeah. a while. Likes to um, insult me on Twitter on a regular <laughs> no, I basis. Just, I just tell the truth, man. <laughs> just tell the truth and i keep track of the horror movies that we watch yeah um which i took a little break from over this week but i will get back to it also instagram at killstreak pod we're at killstreak pod everywhere mm-hmm. yeah man that's awesome yeah please let us know about your horror hunks send us questions you'd like us to answer on the air uh and if you have any ideas for end segments so that we can maybe have something locked and loaded before uh five minutes before we start recording although <laughs> i have to say i'm very happy with the mount rushker horror Hunts. yeah no that was went, good this went as we well as i possibly on, could have hoped yeah so next week we will be watching army of darkness 1993 92 sorry um i you know uh again can can the insane hit rate of this franchise keep up we shall see So look for that episode next Monday. Heck yeah. And as always, groovy.
<laughs> Did you look up Groovy on your phone? <laughs> no, I was looking... <laughs> No, I was looking I was looking to see where Army of Darkness is streaming. If it was streaming anywhere for free. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't think of the most famous line from the movie. That's one word. <laughs> you should leave that in. <laughs>